Legend, history, memory. Stories form the fabric of life itself. We pull threads to make sense of our perceptions. I'm Tristan Crocker. This is That's Telling. Episode 12, Below Deck. Human beings have spent long periods of time living in the small confines of a boat for centuries. The Vikings, Polynesians, Dutch barge boats, the Navy, Marines. In this first episode in my investigation into limited living space, I'm taking to the seas. Living on the confines of a boat, though, is different than other small living arrangements. Because unlike a cheap apartment or a trailer, on the water, there's no escape. There's nowhere to go. People will often say, well, what's it like living on a boat? This is Cindy Cross. Cindy and her husband, Dan, live on their boat, the Sidatunga, for part of the year. And I'll say to them, okay, well, um, pick one room in your house. Okay, so you've got, in your mind, you've got your, that, that room. Now, cook in it, eat in it, sleep in it, shower in it, and entertain in it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's living on a boat. You you got to be super organized. Um, and uh, like no, there's no, you know that saying, a place for everything and everything in its place. I think that was probably coined by a boater because you really have to have, you know, and you have to know where stuff is to be able to get it quick. And you have to be a minimalist. There's just no two ways about it. I actually, one day I measured how much space do I have to actually walk here, like walk inside when I live in the boat, um, how many, you know, how much space can I walk around in? And I measured it and it's 54 feet. And that's not 54 feet, like a square, you know, square opening. It's sort of like, well, when you turn, you measure that little space and then you turn again, you measure that little space, the actual places I could walk. Um, so it's small. You know, and I also counted how many steps can I take comfortably, like comfortable strides to walk from when I, when I get down into the boat, because with boats, you sort of, you go down a companionway, we call it the stairway, basically, and you're down in it now. And I, to walk from that point to the front of the boat where our bed is. 
and I can take uh, nine steps. The boat is is has when you come down the steps. There's a little eating area. There's a table to your right, and to your left is what we would call the the salon or the the living area. So sort of what would look like a living room, a couch. You take your two steps, and you're in the galley or the kitchen. And then if you look to your left, there's a separate berth with a door that um, is called the captain's berth. So that's the important person would sleep in there. (laughs) And it has its own toilet. The toilet is in the closet. Yeah. So while you're sitting on the toilet, your clothes are right there hanging up (laughs) at your shoulder. Um, But anyway, that's a private room. You go now into the to the front cabin, which also has a door. That cabin has another toilet with a sink, and then the, then there's the bed, which you have to sort of jump into and um, then turn yourself around to be able to be able to lie down. But nonetheless, you have there's another toilet there, which um, affords you some privacy and a little sink. So it's un, it's unusual for a boat uh, to have two toilets on it. So we're sort of proud of that. <laughs> Well, a lot of us take turning on our taps for granted. When you live on the water, it's a whole other story. Well, um, everything that you have on your boat, you either make it or you bring it to the boat. So, for instance, water. Um, There's two ways to get water. Um, You can make it, and we have a water maker on board. The water maker sits in their engine room working to convert salt water to drinkable fresh water. So for every 10 gallons of salt water that you put through the system, through the pump, you get one gallon of fresh water. This water-making process, however, requires a lot of electrical power. So every system, it's like running your fridge. Well, it's plugged in, so you need power to run the fridge, right? Um, It's the same thing with being on a boat, like our fridge and our water maker and our lights and our... Um, you know, when you put your, your tap on, if I want to brush my teeth, I put a tap on and the water, fresh water does come out, but it needs a pump to do that. And a pump runs, runs on electricity. So the electricity you, you do in three different ways, uh, on a boat. Uh, you either run a generator, which is a motor that sits in the engine room and that, uh, you have to have diesel gas to run that. (laughs) So you have to have something to power that to make, to recharge your batteries. So we have batteries that sit on, on the boat. Um, they're golf cart batteries, and there's six of them, and they sit in a battery bank. And we keep the batteries topped up because that's what uh, powers all of our systems. Now, the other thing that powers our batteries, if we don't run the generator and we try not to, we have two ways, which is solar panels. And we have uh, five of those on the boat, and we also have a wind generator. And that power goes into the batteries that we draw from. Living on a boat, you might have guessed, isn't just about lying around in the sun. Sailors, there's a whole community of us. And uh, when we arrive into port, um, one of, you know, you're anchored. Uh, it's never like it is in the commercials, Tristan. So when you, when you see the commercials, you see people sort of 
um, you know, these clear blue skies and these calm seas and there's nobody around and they're drinking wine. You know, you pull into play into anchorages and they're busy. You know, yeah, people from all over the world are there, all doing the same thing, and you're quite close to one another. Like you're you're sort of in a parking lot basically, but you're in the water. On board, they have canned goods, but they try to go once a week to shore to buy fresh food. Uh, we have tinned goods. You know, we have a, a whole store of um, uh, canned goods. But to get fresh, right, vegetables and fruit and so on, we want to go, you know, at least once, well, once a week, I guess, to try and get to shore. We, If we go from island to island, that can take a day usually or two days or sometimes three days, depending on where we want to go and how, pardon me, how far it is. Um, so we would do what we call a crossing, like a sea voyage and, and be out for two or three days. Um, but then once we get to the island, we anchor in the bay and then, um, we have to immediately go to customs and immigration because now you're, you we're always in a different country, right? Usually the, every island is a different country. And, um, so you have to present yourself to the immigration and customs people right away with your passport and so on and your ship's papers. And to get to shore, we put the little rubber dinghy in the water and across, you know, <laughs> and then find our way to that office. And then once we're there, then we'd say, okay, now we'll pick up, uh, find a grocery store and get what we need. Do customs officials meet you at the dock? They can, uh, if you're at a dock. And we never go to docks. We never go to marinas and never go to docks. So we don't ever physically tie to shore. We're always out in the bay. Yeah, yeah. Marinas are expensive. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're a big boat, I mean, you, there are, you know, boats that are 150 feet long, 200 feet long, 300 feet long. I mean, you get these mega yachts with, you know, guys that have their own uh, heliports on top, uh, which we've seen. You know, we've been anchored near them in um, in different uh, harbors. And uh, those people, they have crew and they have uh, very important people. So customs will come out to them. Like we don't stay at marinas. Like marinas are, we just can't afford it. You know, you know that's the rich people, and we're not rich. That's Dan Cross joining us from the Sitatunga via Skype. So he's in Grenada, which is, um, oh, I'd say three thousand miles south of here. If you went directly north, wouldn't you be sort of south of Newfoundland, or? Yeah, we're about yeah Newfoundland. We can't south right now. Uh, Sunny day, a trade winds blow all the time. It's going like 15, 18 knots. How does a day on your own at sea begin? I get up, you know, 6 37, have breakfast, and listen, we have a net, which is our v- on the VHF, which is uh, a radio net for all the cruisers. So. When we have, we call it a net, and a net is like a meeting. And every morning in every port, um, so for instance, tomorrow morning in Grenada, where Dan is now, um, at 8 o'clock in the morning, all of the boaters will listen in on a, on a channel on that radio, on their VHF radio, to the morning net. And the morning net is like a, it's sort of like a radio show. <laughs> what they we do because I've I've done it as a net controller and Dan's doing it now as a net controller is it's like a broadcast to all the boats who are listening in for boat information. They begin by going through different categories. 
and we start with emergency traffic. So we say, does, you know, does anybody have a problem? Do you, do you have a medical emergency? Do you, you know, were you, do you have a, a security issue? Maybe you were robbed or, you know, we don't say that, but, you know, are, um, do you need help getting a doctor? Uh, is there a navigational issue you want to tell people about? Um, you know, maybe you saw a wreck when you came in or, or um, a sandbar, like sand shift, so, you know, you can run aground. So that's kind of a, a time when uh, boaters can come on and say, look, I've got a problem. Um, you know, I fell and I hurt my knee. I've got to get to a doctor. So that's priority traffic. Then we do weather because boaters live by the weather. Weather is God. The net radio is how you communicate with other boats on the water one way, like a walkie-talkie. And then the local businesses come on and they, 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 you know, some because a lot of the guys down here, the local businesses, they, they rely on the cruisers for their business, you know. They have VHF radios, which is a marine radio. It's illegal in Canada, but they do it down here and they do it in all the islands. That they have them uh, mounted in their van. So they come on and say, I'm, you know, uh, Tom Tree Marine, and I'm offering uh, services to fix the outboard motor. So call me at this number, or, or give me a call on VHF, or this kind of stuff. So it's kind of a a good uh, way for the local businesses to rely on, you know, us to uh, promote their business. The radio is also used for boaters to swap things amongst themselves. Kind of a nice. Um uh, option to be able to offload some stuff that you might have on your boat that's just taking a space that you want to get rid of. Getting something from another boater can also give you a new way to pass the time. We were on that hard drive last year. Yes. You know? Yes. And, you know, it mean, worked for us, but we got it from another boater and it was loaded with movies and, and DVDs and heck, it was, it was a wonderful the radio is also used in dangerous or emergency situations. You know, if we're getting boarded by pirates, we hope that doesn't happen, but, you know, we can send an alarm. So, because we're close to Venezuela, so there's pirates in Venezuela, and they, they're not nice people. They don't want to run into any of those people, so. Has that ever happened to anyone you know? Yes. Yeah, 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 couple, couple, yeah. How do boaters moored in the bay get into shore? In our little boat. So we have a little rubber dinghy, okay, and that um, sits on the back of the boat, um, and it has its own sort of um, harness that it sits on. It's uh, up in the back. We drop it down on, on ropes and put it down into the water, and then we put the motor on, and we drop that down by ropes, and then we uh, put all our stuff in, in the little boat, <laughs> our shopping bags and our whatever we need to get to shore with, and then we, you know, we start the engine and away we go. <laughs> and then we, we put tie that up when we get to shore, lock it up, so nobody steals it, because that's our car, basically. And then now we're on shore. So how does customs operate on a small island nation? In places like Dominica, you walk, you know, you've got to walk, I don't know, a couple of miles, and there it is, like, it's in a, uh, it's in a, it's in like a trailer, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, some of these islands, there, they don't have a lot, right? You know, they're pretty uh, minute little, 
facilities, but they're, they're not only courteous, they're nice to you, they love having visitors, you know, they love having company because they know they're going to spend some money and buy some products, and so, uh, yeah, for the most part, they're very, very nice. There's so many variables to think about. Have there been any scary moments? No, I can't say I've ever really felt scared. I know um, not this year, but the year before, we came back to our boat and it had been broken into. So that was, you know, it was upsetting. Um, But I don't think I've ever had a time where I felt, you know, like this is it. You know, there's been times when it's been, oh, my God, like the way, the size of the waves. I mean, we've seen waves 10, 12 feet high uh, coming at us and bashing at us, you know, and you're on a, a heel, what we call a heel, but a, an angle, a tilt, um, and you've got to hang on to just even stand. I mean, it's just you have to hold on as you try and walk. I mean, it's things flying off the shelf um, if it's not uh, anchored down. So. You know, we've had rough, rough sales, Uh, but I don't think I've ever felt, no, not afraid, not afraid. But when you're on the water and you're living outdoors, like basically you're camping on water. So when you're camping, like it's always about the weather, right? Am I going to be sitting in my tent? Am I going to be able to go and hike? Am I going to, you know? So we, we, it's the weather. So we do the weather in our, you know, if you're going to travel, if you're going to go out to sea, here's what to expect in the way of waves, in the way of wind, in the way of blah, 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 because you're going to be sailing. And then here's if you're staying in port, here's what to expect in the way of weather. The schedule of what needs to be done on board the boat must be like clockwork. Uh, yeah, well, if you're at sea, it's very different than if you're at shore. I mean, uh, when you're at sea... Um, you're on a rotation um, for helming because you're you're underway. So somebody has to be responsible for um, managing the boat, steering the boat, directing the boat. So um, when you're going day after sailor, you're doing a three-day crossing. Um, you're going around the clock. So you're usually on three-hour shifts. Uh, so one person is sleeping at night, anyway, while the other person is helming, and then, and vice versa. And then one person is cooking while the other person is, you know. So um, it it becomes a little more regimented, yeah. So this is a, this is sort of it's the first year we've ever done this. Is that um, I stayed behind for three months, and I'm I'm leaving in a couple of weeks to go join him. For the last nine years, we've done six months on board the boat, six months up here at home. Um, but just this year, I said, you know, I, I'm finding it. I I need to just change it up. I need a bit of a break from the boat.
we Skype every night. Um, every day we talk to one another. And that's really helping with the, you know, being apart. Having another, a person that you can depend on is like the song that Cindy relates to is uh, uh, the Dolly Parton, Kenny Rogers song about... Uh, Island in the Stream. Because you, know, you, you, become, you become as one, like a uh, person. You, you really depend on that other individual. That's, I know my son and daughter stay out for three years with me, and we were so close. It was incredible. And to get that closeness with a person, I don't think it gets that living in a normal environment. Like, unless you're in a small, confined area where you have to depend on that person, I don't think you appreciate that person. In my, in my opinion, I don't know, but Anyway. It's very true, and the, the line in the uh, song is, um, sail away with me to another world, and we rely on each other uh, from one lover to another. So when I met Dan uh, 16 years ago, I met him with his son uh, at the same time, and the two of them were so in sync it was like, Tristan, it was like watching one person. It was so, they were so fluid together. Uh, it was unusual. Like, it really stood out to me, someone who hadn't experienced boating yet, um, that these two people could be so um, connected. Uh, so I thought, oh, maybe it's just father's son. But then I met his daughter. <laughs> and the three of them were, again, this sort of unit. Um, so I think it's the experience of, of boating and living so closely and working so closely together. So there's an expression that we use as boaters, like if you don't like the person, the boat gets awfully small, awfully fast. In a mooring, I've been here since December the first. I I'm getting sort of both crazy, just sitting looking at the same damn place. So it's cabin fever. I mean, that's uh, another expression that's coined, I'm sure, for boats. But he has been sitting, just bobbing there in the same spot in the water, looking at the shore. There's been times when um, Dan's been asleep and it's been nighttime. And, you know, there's a beautiful moon and um, I have the, I'll have the music playing to sort of keep me, keep me awake. And um, I've seen the phosphorescence in the water, you know, it looks like stars, like stars on the water, just spraying. And... Um, you know, the air is warm and you're by yourself and there are moments of just total, total peace, you know, just total, um, I don't know, it just sort of all comes together in this serene nature, um, oneness feel, you know. I can count on one hand when they've been really, truly beautiful, beautiful moments. Then you go to a stage when you see a a pile of dolphins behind, beside you, and, and you think, and you see the glistening of the uh, the water at night with the moon, you know, and it's like, it's, you know, it, 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 there's so many highs, and yet there's so many lows, you know, and, and hopefully the highs don't number the lows, but for some people it doesn't, and other people it does, you know, it depends on your personality and and how you're, you're wired, I think. 
as a person because uh, it's not for everyone, that's for sure. Sometimes when the the wind comes up, you you hear it first coming in the rigging. You hear it coming first in that, and it, it plays like a little tune. And then the sails will fill, and they sort of puff, and then you're pulled along. And I don't know, it's just sort of amazing, because our boat weighs 25 tons. So to move it, like, it takes a lot of... Um, you know, a lot of sail, a lot of effort, coordination to set it just right and get it to respond. And, and when you feel that and you see it, you sort of lift and you hear that sound and you see it fill in, it's it just like there's just something sort of magical there. That's Telling is created by Tristan Crocker. That's me. All of the original music heard throughout the show is by Paul Crocker. A massive thank you to my guests Dan and Cindy Cross, wishing you smooth sailing in the coming year. If you live in or around the Guelph, Ontario area, That's Telling can be heard every Wednesday at 2pm on CFRU 93.3 FM streamed live at cfru.ca or wherever you get podcasts.